Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. back in time to seasons past when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday fighting for one more first down one more yard gain one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron tonight we'll explore the world of gridiron greats welcome to gridiron greats football history and it's memorabilia on the gridiron greats publishing and broadcasting network in conjunction with Swick Enterprises, and we're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at GridironGreatsMagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. He's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larkin. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squire. Joe, welcome to the show this evening. Uh, great to be back, Bob. You got a little bit of an extra throat rattle in there when you in your salutation. Football. It just it made me laugh. I love it. I I I got I I'm rested, so that's why I can I can roll that double L for a while. You, you can get it. But in any event. <laughs> in any event. Before we get started talking about our um, our, our pregame before our special guest comes on, uh, a couple people asked me, Gridiron Greats went in the mail last week, and uh, amazingly, yeah. a lot of people got it right away. I'm kind of shocked, because we, we actually got it in the mail to the po- post office Friday, and I had reports on Monday of people receiving their copy. I know you're on the West Coast, hopefully you're going to get it uh I got very, mine very yesterday. Oh, okay, great. I got great. mine okay, yesterday. Good. I, was, I was outside good. playing football with uh, with my son, and uh, the mail lady, you know, walked up and, you know, now, now they're you know, if you're outside, they just set it on. The, so she said, and I saw the big white Swick Enterprise envelope, and I went running over. <laughs> great. Okay, so it's out. It's available. Those people who do not subscribe, please check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. One year, twenty nine ninety five. one of the best bargains in the football collecting world. We also have online uh, issues. If you prefer a PDF for a mere $5, you can order that online and it will be sent to you. We also have back issues from our current uh, issue all the way back to the first issue we published, uh, which was number 23 many, many years ago. And we have a special. You can buy all the back issues uh, for one low price. If you're interested in it, 
I highly suggest if you want all the back issues, I'm running very, very low on three different of the earlier issues. So please, by all means, put in your order, and we'll take care of it. And uh, you'll have an incredible amount of football history and memorabilia to read about uh, when you receive those copies. There's a major auction that occurred and closed this past weekend. And, Joe, I'm going to lead into you and hand off to you. Let's talk a little bit about our good friend Brian Dwyer's REA auction. Yeah, past uh, past guest of Gridiron Greats, Brian Dwyer, like you mentioned. He's the president of of uh, uh, Robert Edward Auctions, Robert Edward Auctions, REA. Uh, good friend, known Brian a while when he used to work back at SGC. We had a really good time with him on the show. But they're, uh, you know, biannual, twice-a-year auction went off on, uh, on uh, Sunday night. A really, really good football sampling. Uh, you know, there were probably 65, 70 Ross sets in there, ranging from 1948 Leaf. Uh, they had a 49 Leaf, 48 Bowman, all the way up to, I believe, 86 Tops and everything in between. Uh, I, I, I had to create a spread. There's a lot of there's a lot of you know Ross sets that I'm missing, so I had to literally create a spreadsheet to track what. You know what? Uh, what lot number had what sets? Because there were some lots where it's like 61, 62, 63 Fleer. Uh, you know, all in one lot, and there were other ones where it was just 61 Fleer. So, you know, it was definitely a uh, a military operation to go into that plan, which ones you're going to go after, and then as the auction's firing off, deciding which one you're going to focus on. So, it was just a a lot of, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of raw sets. There was a lot of unopened wax, which leads us up to today's guests. And there was, uh, was the one, the one that I was really tracking. There was a uh, 1916 M1015 Sporting News Jim Thorpe. He's Jim Thorpe slumming in this card. Uh, he's playing for the San Francisco Giants, but Jim Thorpe is and always will be known for his football prowess. So to me, it's a it's a football card. Uh, blank backed. I mean, in one of these days, we're probably gonna have to. You know, do a show on the uh, M101, M1015 and, and four sets and just the blank right, back right. versus like famous and bar set. But that that card was graded SGC 1.5 and I went for $14,500 plus VIG. So $16,000 for an SGC 1.5. Unbelievable. That, that that is just so unbelievable. It's, it's it amazes me. Any two buyers, I guess. Uh, there's a Bronco Nagurski, a 1935 Chickle Bronco Nagurski graded PS, PSA four that went in the auction for 9,500 plus VIG. So that's a little bit shy of 12,000 for a PSA four, which uh, PSA four in that kind of shape usually goes for between four and six thousand. So nearly double the the price of a of a usual uh, PSA for Nagurski. Right, there was, right. uh, yep. Leading into some unopened, uh, a tip of the hat to our guests, there was a, a, a penny pack for 51 Bowman, which I hadn't seen one in probably eight or nine years. Uh, PSA 7, which is very high grade for, a, you know, over a, a almost a 70-year-old pack, you know, that has uh, one card and a piece of gum in it. $1,800. Uh, a couple of my favorite sets, 79 tops at a 36 wax pack box, BBC sealed, $1,250, 84 tops, my, definitely my favorite set, another 36 pack box, $1,000. Uh, back when I was buying $400 for a 36 pack, you know, box. Uh, wow. I mean, wow. I, I, I used to watch them and when they, when they, when they went for that low, I'd buy them. And when they went above that, I'd let them go. Uh, so it, it's it's interesting. In the last eight years, unopened, you know, unopened uh, wax has nearly doubled in price. Right, right. I mean, it is amazing. And again, I understand the, you know, I think we both understand the laws of supply and demand. It's just not out there. And um, good point. I, again, though, you know, me being old-fashioned. I, I would love to see what the cards were in the packs. You know what I mean? I, I would have a difficult time not opening up the pack type of thing. But then again, too, 
you got you, you, you know you open up a pack and there's nobody in there or the cards are, are you know completely damaged from the you know being in inside you know for whatever reason you know wax gum marks gum stains so on and so forth it, it's it's a pretty big risk so obviously we see if they're being bought they're going to be kept unopened you know what I mean so that's something that we for the most part yeah. You know, uh, based upon that, so, but you know, in any event, and and, and again, it's, it was a, it was one incredible auction. I I I, I am I was just truly amazed at it. And um, what 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 was the biggest surprise for you, if any, seeing what happened there? I'm just curious. Uh, definitely, if there was, you know, if there was that, uh, it was it was a good auction. There, there's nothing. There was nothing in that auction that was a, I must have this. Uh, and usually REA offers up one or two things where like, holy crap, where did they find that? Uh, this yeah. one had a lot of great things, uh, you know, you know, for sheer breadth of just the raw sets, the unopened, uh, you know, the, the unopened wax they were offering. Uh, but even, you know, the, 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 the 1916 M1014, I mean, that was a, eBay-esque card, uh, you know, especially in SGC 1.5. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, the, the, the two ones that really shocked me were they were a couple baseball cards, uh, some 52 Tops Mantle rookie cards that I was watching just out of curiosity. So, mm-hmm. you know, but but uh, a, a great auction, a, a solid auction. But I, I, can, I can just remember, uh, you know, what was it, a year ago, you know, you know, uh, BST had an auction that just had all kinds of, you know, Mike Blaisdell's things that were just one of a kind. And you, you're just playing whack-a-mole. You're like, all right, I want, you know, 10 things, but, you know, I can only afford X things. But this one, right. I, 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 I only picked up a couple things, a Red Grange Type 1 photo uh, and a couple of uh, a couple of uncut sheets. And uh, that was about it. I mean, yeah, nothing huge. Well, I think you know. You know? I think there's something. There's, to me, there's something to say having only one or two auctions a year, because I really mm-hmm. believe a you can plan better. I, I feel both the auction house can plan better, the consigner could probably plan better, and then yeah. most importantly, you as the bidder can plan much better also. And in doing so, you know, you're yep. able to obtain. You know, if you got your eye on a dozen things and six or seven of those things come true for you, then you're fine. I mean, yep. that's that's what it's all about. You're you're actually picking up what you need for your for your collection, and therefore, you know, you're planned on it, you budgeted for it, so on and so forth. You know, the other way you're looking at it, auctions every other week, every other day, yada yada yada. They, they really they become confusing almost. You know what I mean? You can't even keep yep. track of them. And, uh, you know, yeah, again, like, like heritage, I, heritage, I, you know, I, constantly I, I having remember, auctions yeah, going exactly. off there. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's an overkill more than anything else. I mean, you want to move inventory, you want to move product. You have X amount of yep. auctions all the time. If I was a consigner, I'd be kind of concerned about that because I, I would be saying to myself, okay, where, where's my stuff going to land? And is anybody going to actually look at it? You know? Yeah. So that's got to be there's taken also into a, consideration. Go ahead. There's also a cost, you know. Uh, so, I mean, REA doing twice a year versus, like, four auctions a year, I, I would think one of the biggest costs is uh, photographing everything, writing you know, writing script for everything, oh, yeah. setting up a catalog, printing a catalog, packaging a catalog, and mailing a catalog. Uh, yeah. uh, Al, Al Chris Foley at Love of the Game told me once, you know, that that was one of his big costs is, that dang catalog. But the problem is a lot of people love a catalog. Me personally, right. I get the catalog. I thumb through it once or twice and then I go online. I, I don't use the catalogs very much. Uh, yeah. And, I had that conversation with Al a couple of years ago. I went to the national, actually the last national Cleveland, we had a long conversation on it. And I said, Al, I'll tell you straight out. I got a lot of my, readers who are print guys, they're older fellows, 
yeah. they're not, you know, they're, 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 you know, they don't want to use the computer. They can get by. But like I said, I, we want to read something. We want to read your magazine. We don't want to read it online. We want, want the physical copy. We want to pick it up, put it down, so on and so forth. And they feel the same way with, with catalogs. You know? and, and, and I know a couple guys said, and I said, you gotta you got to come out with a catalog. Even if you print less of them or just, you know, request yeah. from people, you know, I do still want to print catalog or, I, I no, I, I'm online now. I don't need it. You know, that'll save costs there, too. And I, I look at any catalog I get, and I got a lot of catalogs in, in um, not as many as I, as I used to, but I do have a lot of catalogs. And to me, for football, they're irreplaceable for the simple reason you're actually seeing you have a physical picture of the item. It could be exceptionally rare. All of Mike's stuff, to me, the ones, the ones, all those catalogs are very valuable because you're, you're seeing stuff you've never seen in a hobby before. Or if you've seen it, yep. you've only seen it once or twice in, in the past 30 years. So it, it, to me, it's yep. historical and it's very valuable. And, and, and I, I still say they're, they're necessary in, in, in auctions. And, uh, yeah. you know, and, again, it's an expense, Alan, but, you know, this is it, you know? Yeah, and Alan, Alan thrown out the idea where it's like opt out, you know, let's say he has a 1,000 people bidding at an auction. If you opt out of receiving a catalog, you'll get $15 off shipping or something. Yeah, like so, yeah so exactly, of, something like that. Maybe out of 1,000 people, 400 say they don't need a catalog, and then next, next, you know, next auction it's 500, and then eventually he's only printing 200 catalogs, and, and then he weans it off because there, you know, there's obviously, you know, the, you know, the, the price for the photographer, you know, setting up and printing the catalog is, you know, there's, you know, there's, you know, there's sunken costs to doing that. Printing and shipping is just one aspect of it. I don't know. Right. Uh, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of people who want their catalog who love to read it. That's, that's not me. Uh, I just, I, you know, I mean, and to those people who are like, well, I want a catalog. I want something to read. Well, how do you bid? I mean, obviously you bid yeah, online. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point yeah. you're logging into the website, anyways. Yeah. So it's an interesting um, it's an interesting dilemma almost for for a lot of the auction houses, and at the same time, I think the the small yet big auction houses like Love of the Game, REA, so on and so forth, they still understand the value of a catalog, and they will continue, you know, producing it. And I, I still. I still find great interest. You go to a national and you look at a lot of the, of the um, auction houses, they have older catalogs out there that they're giving away for free. And I, you know, I always grab them is if there's anything in football in them. And, you know, to me, they're a good reference tool. They're good historical too. You know, there's a lot of different aspects of it that are, are very positive for the hobby. And, and again, I think it, it is, um, it's essential for our, our older collectors who, want the paper, want want to use the uh catalog so on and so forth to help them uh help them bid and pick up what they want at the same time. So I think yeah. it's important. All right, Hello? I think our uh Okay. This is Steve at the baseball card exchange. Yeah, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Uh our guest is here. Let me introduce him. And uh Joe and I wrapped up our discussion on REA's auction. I'd like to welcome our special guest this evening, he has become the most respected and trusted authenticator of unopened wax product. He's the owner of Baseball Card Exchange, BBCE, and I'd like to introduce to our audience tonight, Mr. Steve Hart. Steve, welcome to the show this evening. How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being Thanks on. Thanks for being on, Steve. It. No problem. Steve, I'd like to lead off and ask you, can you give us uh, and fill in our audience a bit about your background and how you became uh, an expert on unopened material. Well, let's see. I've been doing this full-time every day for 30 years now since I opened the Baseball Card Exchange in 1990. And I was doing shows five years before that. So I've been doing this forever. It's the only job I've ever had and the only one I've ever known. And uh, the reason I got into unopened early on was just I was fascinated with the fact that the stuff was still out there from the 50s, 60s, and 70s unopened. It shouldn't be that way. I mean, it should have been opened. So the fact that it was still around like that just was fascinating to me. Wow. It's so nostalgic. 
I mean, uh, oh, yeah. you know, this is this is Joe, Steve. Thanks again for being on the show. I appreciate you getting back to me so quick when we reached out. No problem. Uh, but you know, as a you know, I'm 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 49. I grew up in the 70s, and you know, the first packs I opened, you know, I bought at a 7-Eleven near my grandmother's, and so to me, wax packs are so so nostalgic. So even seeing them, even seeing them in a box, just takes me back to that you know that moment in time. You know, right. when I was a nine-year-old oh, yeah. kid plunking down a dollar uh, and, you know, chewing the gum on my way back to my grandma's house. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. There are there are the collectors of the unopened, and then there's the people who open. <laughs> so, yep, and so. it's just it's just so, you know, so rare it's fascinating. I mean, for example, like a, just take a 1965 Topps Mantle. There's tens and tens and tens of thousands of them. You could buy them at any grade, at any price, at any time of the day. How many wax packs are there from 1965, though? Can't yeah. buy them any time at any price at any time of the day. They're just not out there. And Steve, this is a football show, so we we generally work in you know you you know Unitas's and Namus. So <laughs> okay, same same concept. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I heard, I'm kidding. Just to give uh, a little hey, little you, bit of of my just to give a little bit back of, of my background, I started open wax packs in 1965. So I, I distinctly remember, uh, you know, the 65 tops, the tall boys, the 65 Phillies. And, and oh, I yeah. can still yep. visualize all these years later, I'm 61. I can still visualize buying the packs out of the box, given the attendant, the cashier, the nickel or the dime I had, and then open up my pack. So, you know, it is nostalgic, and it, and it is amazing. And, and the point you make is very, very valid, Steve. There, there's thousands of the cards out there, but there, there's so yeah. few of the packs. It's just uh, it's mind-boggling in a way. Exactly, yep. yep. It's fascinating well, what's out there and what's not available. A little, little tangent. I think it was like seven or eight years ago at a national, I gave Bob – uh, a 65 Philly GAI graded unopened wax, and uh, you know at the national we all we all get together for dinner and Bob opened it and kind of looked up at me and he's like thanks Joe I appreciate it but this has been resealed he goes he, oh. the poster is folded right uh, and I'm like wow but I mean for Bob to remember you know being a kid that long ago you know just and to know how the poster was folded up and that it was mm-hmm. improper. No surprise, it was from GAI. You know, you're you're a long lost competitor, but you know that that leads us into the next question. I mean, obviously you've been doing it for 30 years. This is the only job you've had. I mean, other than expertise, I mean, what what are you looking for when you're determining something's good or bad, other than opening it up to take a peek? Uh, well, you know, I guess doing this in my day and in my sleep at night, it just it's taken that long <laughs> to be able to look at it. And almost, you know, almost feel it, uh, see it. I mean, it's almost a good picture in your head. Tops rolling that roller mark across the back and melting the wax. Uh, you know, that roller mark is very distinct, and it only went in one direction. Copy it over and over and over, and it's just very, very difficult to get it right. The other problem is that tops, you know, fold these packs on the corners in the same way about 99% of the time. A lot of times when people reseal and make homemade packs, they really can't create those corner folds just right. But aren't they aren't they generally taking an old, you know, like uh, old old wrapper and folding it back where it was folded? Uh, I, I, I get what you're saying with the uh, you know with the roller. I mean, are you looking at that under a magnifying glass just to look for you know different marks for wax or something? Or uh, usually move? just you know under an intense light. If you bend it the right way, you could perfectly see that roller mark. Wow. You know, make sure there's no swipes in it, no fingerprints in it, you know, no incorrect uh, matching on it. So, you know, it, it's pretty easy to tell and pretty easy to spot the fakes, but, you know, they're getting better, just like anything. Yeah. It's a shame. Now, how about, how about the wax box, too? Yeah, you're able to... What's your what's your process on a wax box? Obviously, you know if it's tight, I would assume. Uh, I know yeah. a lot of people buy empty wax boxes, and if they get, say for instance, eighty-four tops football, they buy an empty wax box and then fill it up with thirty-six packs and then try to sell it off, type of thing. Right? How, how can you right. tell? I'm just I'm just curious, and our audience is probably curious. How can you tell like a, a wax box is truly unopened? 
Well, the, the, the part about that that, you know, isn't the exact science is I could go through all 36 packs and make sure each 36 pack is correct and untampered with. As far as those being the original 36 packs in that box, you just can't tell. Uh, okay. You know, sometimes you could see different variations in the color of the wrappers, meaning it was probably built. But a lot of times, you know, the wrappers are just consistently the same color and the same shape. So, you know, if somebody was to build a box, really you just can't tell. This is especially true with cello and you know, they just they may pull something out of it with a star on top and replace it with a common pack, and unfortunately, you just can't tell. Huh. The only product you well, can tell is 86 Fleer Basketball, which, of course, is the Jordan rookie, because that stuff yeah. came in a very distinct pattern and sequence. That that I could tell when somebody switched things in and out. And when you uh, when you seal your your wax packs boxes, you discern between if it was built or if you think it came from the factory that way. Correct? I forget how you do that. Uh, on eighty six Fleer, yes. Everything else, no, oh. because you just don't know. You know, you just can't tell. Okay. Now, you know, we also sell boxes where we label it from a sealed case on the bottom of the label. Those are boxes ah. that a sealed case has to come to me. I have to be the one to open it. You know, nobody else, my employees, my employees or nobody else can open it. It still has to be originally factory sealed the way it was issued by Topps, Fleer, Donruss, Upper Deck, or whatever. We will then mark those boxes from a sealed case, and that's the best and only way you'll know that no human has ever looked at those since they left the factory. <laughs> I love it. Say, so talk about your company. How did you get started? How did, how did this all come about? Well, like I said, when I was a teenager, I was doing shows all the time, and I had built up a pretty decent collection till then. And then uh, when I was 20 years old, I wanted to open a store, and luckily I had the support from my parents. You know, most people probably thought I was crazy, and I probably was. But, you know, my parents pushed me into it, and uh, ever since that day in 1990, I've been here every day, keep pushing hard and working the best I can. So it started as a storefront, and then at some yes. point, some you know, Al, Al Gore invented the internet, and you you, you, yes. you became a really strong online presence. Yep. And originally, you know, we we uh, would take our boxes and shrink wrap them and put a business card on the bottom. You know, this really had nothing to do with uh, you know marketing the unopened product for other people to have this done. We just did it to wrap it for security and shipping, and put our business card on there, kind of for advertising. And, uh, you know, obviously I wasn't going to sell something that was no good and then attach my name to it. And then slowly people started asking us if they I could do that for their material to make sure it was good. And then it kind of blew up, and we've had to, over the years, add more security to uh, keep up with the fraud, and that's where we are today. And what, uh, I mean, what year was that where you, you, you got the first person who reached out and was like, I've got a box of X. And I'd like you to see if you know if you could verify it or you know something like that. I'm thinking around ten years ago we started, and uh, you know we were using a clear shrink wrap and a simple label on the bottom, but of course that was uh, copied real quick by the criminals out there. So then we had to go with the logo shrink wrap, and then we went to the hologram to add to the box. So we just keep trying to stay sure. ahead of them. Wow. Yeah. That's the next one. I mean, you. Uh, I distinctly remember. I, I used to have a lot of unopened, uh, and I, I probably had about a hundred, hundred and twenty boxes. And uh, I would say, most of them were, you know, BBC sealed, and some of them were. Mm. Uh, excuse me. I probably had about seventy. Uh, okay. I had about a hundred eighty-eight tops that I bought from a guy in Seattle. Those were pretty much useless, so <laughs> I kept those. But. Uh, at some point, I consigned them, uh, and I'm not sure if you remember this. This is probably 10 years ago. I consigned them to Probstein, uh, and Probstein called me, and he's like, hey, Steve Hart called me, and mm. like six of your wax packs boxes that are BBC sealed are, are fake. He said okay. it's sealed, and the sticker looks good, but it's not his signature. Uh, right. And I was like, all right, well, what do I do with that? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and then, you know, so he mailed them back to me. I opened them, and, you know, and I... You know, I opened them and had fun. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that was that was right about the time you came out with the, you know, the the hol- not the hologram, but the, you know, the the BBC imprinted, you know, you know, 
uh, you know, shrink wrap. Right. And like I said, this didn't originally start as an idea of authenticating for the public or for other people. It was just, you know, to do our own stuff. And then people started asking more yeah. and more and more to do theirs. So that's when it blew up. Yeah. And like you said, keeping ahead of the bad guys. I, I imagine years ago you had time to look at auctions and like, oh, wait a minute, that's not my signature. What the hell? And now it's, <laughs> now it's got to be tougher just keeping ahead of the bad guys. Yeah, and if you notice, uh, last few years, the lady who does the labels named Kathy, she has very distinct handwriting. Very difficult to counterfeit. Huh? I mean, we kind of we <laughs> did that as uh, an idea to have her do it because her handwriting is very odd, and uh, we have yet to see it successfully counterfeited. Wow. So, so people are still out there trying to – well, I guess there are. I mean, people are trimming cards. People oh, are no. – I mean, man, there's – there's there's people messing with our beloved hobby all over the place. So, yeah, I guess uh, it comes to no surprise. It's every aspect of life. I mean, when the government makes new hundred dollar bills within two or three weeks, they're flooded all over the streets. So, anybody yeah, can you know they do anything they can to make a quick buck. Yeah. So yeah, that's got to be tough because it's 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 your reputation, it's your product, it's your your life, your life's work, and whenever someone's dinging at it, it's you know it's. You know, whenever someone's chipping away at or trying, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's your reputation on the line to stay one step ahead of them. It's got to be tough. Right. Okay. Yep. In fact, uh, soon we'll be coming out with another, uh, another, you know, aspect of the box to help from counterfeiting. So we'll be releasing that information in a few months. Yeah. yeah we I were going to, you know, launch it. We were going to launch it at the national convention, but right now we don't even know if we're going to have a national convention. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got a gut feeling um, because they're using um, that facility for a uh, portable hospital right now. I can't see it being ready in July in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, if form, our convention so. was in Idaho, I'd have a more trust that it would be there. But being that it's in a very you know tough state and a yeah, hot spot for the virus, it. It, yep, exactly. Yeah. I know Comic Con already canceled theirs. And it's a week yeah, before yeah. our national, and it's in California where the virus is really tame, so it's not looking good. Yeah. yeah sadly, I live in yeah, the tri-state true. area, so I get I get a, a, a daily dose of this uh, problem here, and it seems the hotbed, unfortunately, is Manhattan, and I'm 90 right. miles from Manhattan, and I'm about five miles from Atlantic, uh, five hours from Atlantic City, so okay. it's, uh, yep. I can't I can't see it happening in any way, shape, or form. I, I, I'm going to get off script a bit, and we'll talk a bit about the national. How do how how do you? Um, I, I'm just curious from my own point of my own uh, view. Uh, you're at a national. You set up. Uh, Joe Schmo comes in with his dad's box of whatever 1955 Bowman football. He says mm-hmm. to you, you know, I'm interested in selling it. This my father had this, you know, for 50 years. Yada yada yada. How do you approach somebody like that? I'm just curious. And, and, again, the authenticity of the box, so on and so forth. Okay, well, if they actually have the box with them, you know, the first thing I'll then the, you know, let me take a look at it. Make sure it's good. Yeah. Make sure it's clean. The gum hasn't eaten through all the cards, which I've seen. Uh, you know, mildew, mm. mice, the, you know, the Rallin Rosen find from Paris, Tennessee. A lot of stuff got eaten by mice. So, you know, first I'll just oh, wow. make sure it's good and clean. Uh, at that point, I'll you know show them some uh, the you know what the realized pack prices go for, and a realized box price if I could even find one. You know if it's something that rare, we may not be able to know, and then we just negotiate from there. All right. Then, then the second question is, how many uh, does that usually happen to you when you're at a national? I'm I'm curious about it. I know nationals. Lately, only been between Cleveland and Chicago, with the one time in Atlantic right. City and a couple times in Baltimore. But right. um, and again, Chicago seems to be centralized for everybody, so that's why they like having it there, so on and so forth. So I'm just curious if you know if you see more at one one location than in another, so on and so forth. Well, when we're talking 50s and 60s stuff, it it doesn't come in at all anymore, unfortunately. You know, we've had Gaudi <laughs> okay. collections walk in, tobacco collections walk in, Cracker Jack collections walk in that we've bought. Very rarely does something pre-1970 walk in anymore. It's it's just too rare and too hard to find. Um, but I would still say to your question, 
Chicago still seems to produce the most stuff. You know, if we're talking 70s and, uh, you know, stuff that is still available, usually Chicago is the best show for us to buy. Okay. All right. And that's that's the closest show for you because you guys are in Indiana. So that's, yep, right in our backyard. Yep. Our okay. Away. That's good. And that leads me that leads me back onto the script. Can you describe to our audience, since we're, we're football-related, what was the – one of the biggest major or unique football on open finds you discovered and or actual collections that you bought football wise over the years, if you had one, two, whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, as far as unopened goes a few years ago, I didn't make the find myself, but I had another dealer walk into my office with two boxes of 1958 tops football wax still in the case. Um, the case was unbelievable. I'd never seen one. And the boxes, I don't think anybody had ever put their hands on them. You know, they were pristine, mm-hmm. perfect. The lids, I don't think had ever been opened. They were still stiff. So as, as cool as that was, you know, $100,000 boxes, while I was authenticating yeah. each one of them, looking at the roller mark on the back, one pack in each box had a Jim Brown rookie staring up at me. Wow. So you know, wow. not only was it a, a, you know, an unbelievably rare box that was in unbelievably perfect shape, it also had each box also had a Jim Brown rookie showing on the back of each pack, of one pack in each box. Wow. And how's that work with like uh the synergy between you and PSA because uh, does does PSA still use you for their grading? Yes, uh, I still do all the pa- Yep, I still do all the pack authentication for PSA. So since they don't do full boxes, you know, due to my contract with PSA, I'm allowed to do that on my own. Now, usually when it comes to single packs, people ask me if I could wrap them or label them or whatever. That has to go to through PSA according to my contract. How does that work? Do they mail you? Like uh, you submit a pack to PSA, they mail it to you. You, uh, you know, in a in a in a big in a you know a larger top loader and. You put a sticky note on there, or write in Sharpie, you know what grade it should be, and it's all it's good, or and mail back. Yep, when the packs when the packs arrive at PSA, you know they'll let them build up until they have a quantity, then they'll overnight them all to me. They've already got each pack in its own bag, bubble bag, already with a sticker on it with the the item, the the serial code, the the barcode, and everything. All I got to do is sure. give it the thumbs up or the thumbs down, pop it right back in the bag, and ship them back. Nice. I've always enjoyed your, your. You have a really good social media presence, where you know, you guys would take these road trips, and, you know, jump in a van, and you know, you get you get people who reach out to you and hey, I have a collection of wax, and you, you schedule it in. And I, I forget the guy's name, but he'd do road trips for need, you know, show the van, you know, when he loaded stuff up and stuff right. like that. Uh, I always thought those were fascinating to watch, and if, if if they were ever to make a film out of that, like a you know, like a, a comedy film, you know, like a Disney mm-hmm. film. Who, who do you think would star as you? Do you think it's like a Vince Vaughn, or who would play you in that? Boy, film? I never thought of anything like that. <laughs> uh, oh boy, Brad, sure Brad we'll go Pitt. with we'll go with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Vince Vaughn, okay. So you're, yep. you're, uh, you're you're definitely saying you have a good sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as far as social media goes, though, it's. It's not my favorite platform, and maybe that's just because I'm <laughs> older. And uh, you know, I, until the other day, I had no idea what Instagram meant. Until my daughter finally told me what an Instagram was. <laughs> yeah, any business, uh, you, know, you you saw from my emails. I mean, I, I own an electric company, but any business it, with a social media presence, you're just opening yourself up, you know, to the to the trolls. It's, uh, it's oh pretty yeah. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I used to collect unopened wax. I got a little disenfranchised with just the amount of, uh, you know, raw, you know, you know, raw that was unsealed or that was resealed. And then, you know, you know, and then even the, even the, the fake BBC stuff. I mean, that's not a ding on you. I'm just saying there were, you know, there's a-holes out right. there who are always, you know, trying. Uh, what advice would you give to somebody who, you know, is like our age who, you know, is nostalgic about opening up wax and sees wax pack. I'm like, oh, my God, that takes me back to my childhood. You know, to somebody offering them a raw wax pack or wax box. What, what advice? Well, if it's, you know, anything of value, and by value I say, you know, maybe packs over 
10 15 bucks you know maybe boxes over 50 or 100 bucks eBay probably is the worst place to buy that stuff raw. I mean, it's just a dumping ground for resealed and homemade products. But, I mean, that goes along with autographs. You know, that goes along with vintage cars that are trimmed. You know, eBay is just a dumping ground for all the bad stuff. So, you know, if you're going to buy that kind of stuff, you know, make sure you know who you're getting it from. Maybe they have a reputation, and maybe they'll stand behind their product. But just blindly buying that stuff on eBay is uh, probably not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, trimming. I mean, 48 Leaf is one of the most widely trimmed sets. Yes. And about once a year, somebody about once a year somebody will be like, you know, hey, I bought this PSA 8 card. I'm like, man, it's trimmed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you just yeah, you you really got to know your stuff. Well, no, it's not trimmed. It's in a PSA slab. I know. Well, everyone. The other day, somebody. somebody the, the other day, somebody uh, showed me a seller on eBay selling tons of autographs just tons and tons of autographs and they you know have them priced at 25 percent of market you know tom brady autographs and kobe bryant autographs and jordan autographs hundreds and hundreds not a single one of them was good and you would think that you know if a tom brady autographed card is being sold for 50 bucks that would be a red flag but if you look at completed listings people are buying that stuff like crazy oh yeah yeah Yeah. what's up What's, a, what's some really? I, I I went through and perused your website, uh, you know, uh, before this. But what do you say is one of the coolest football packs you have in inventory right now? Hmm. Let me think. I don't think we have them up on the website yet, but I have some seventy-one football cello packs coming in. As soon as oh, PSA wow. opens their doors again and has them graded, they'll be in my hands. But uh, that's a tough cello pack. And, you know, with the Bradshaw and the Green Rookie is very popular. Oh, yeah. Yep. In the yeah, past, I've good. had some of the Tall Boy packs, the uh, 65 football, Ooh. and those are just amazing. Super expensive, yeah. and uh, they sell immediately. Oh, yeah. I used to have uh, the marquee item of my uh, unopened collection was a 52 Bowman large nickel pack. That was oh, yeah. Yep. Very rare. Absolutely loved it. Yep. yep. Absolutely Very loved rare. it. I, yeah. yeah the Bowman small over. packs there was a find of years ago, so those are relatively easy. The large packs are impossible. Yeah. Steve, what's the oldest yeah. pack football-wise you ever handled over the years? Yeah. Just curious on that. Um, 40, you know, I don't. Um, I can't picture 48 or 49 Leaf or 50 Bowman. I would probably have to say 51 Bowman and Topps Magic. Oh. Okay. All right. There was just there was, was just a 51 Bowman uh, penny pack that sold in uh, in REA. Uh, yeah, yes, that might have been on one of the oldest movie. ones I've seen. Wow. 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 I could have sworn I've seen some 50 Bowman wax from you, but I, I yeah. It's possible yeah, that I've had penny it. packs, but I can't can't say for sure. It would be awesome cool. if some. It would be awesome if somebody someday came up with some real chickle packs. Oh my gosh, that's the, my that's my white whale, a chickle pack or a chickle uncut sheet. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember the uh, remember the gentleman probably like twelve years ago who uh, had a fifty-five tops all-American cello. Uh, you know, find it was like his uncle worked for 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 Tops and brought home a couple cases or a couple boxes of it, put it in a closet, and he discovered it. Right. Remember that? Remember that find? That had to be kind of cool to see to, uh, to see that walking through your door. Just oh yeah, you know, I actually went to the I actually went I went to the customer's house when he uh, first pulled them from the closet and sat there in awe. It, it was unbelievable. The packs were as fresh and as mint as could be. Um, they ended up opening a lot of those packs, which of course is where yeah. probably all the nines and tens and that set came from. But they were oh, just yeah. unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. yeah, he flooded the market with PSA ten cards. That's for sure. But mm-hmm. so what's it? What's it? What's it take to get you, the owner, on the road to go look at something? I mean, you just said you went to his house and picked it up. I mean, uh, you know, just vetting that out. Like, hey, I have, you know, I forget how many boxes it was, but I mean. You know, that, that, that get to, to get you on the road versus you saying, well, why don't you bring it to me? You know, mm-hmm. um, what's that take? Some, something that impressive that I've never seen before in that type of 
quality and condition, you know, I'm willing to just go take a look. You know, I I pretty much felt there was zero chance of me being able to buy it, but I still wanted to go look and see because it was just unbelievably impressive. Wow. Uh, you know, I did make them a hefty offer, but I think in the long run they decided just to open them. Yeah, they opened. They they huh. sold a few, uh, and then they opened a few. They yeah, they wanted to build the tops, the top fifty five AA stats. <laughs> yep. You know what was interesting about those fellow packs is you could only get 60 different cards in those packs. There were 40 cards yeah. in cello packs that didn't get issued. Yep. yep. So oh, basically of all those packs they opened, there was 40 cards they were never able to get. Those 40 cards came in the wax packs. That's true. Wow. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, however, however the cello pack cello contained all the good cards. <laughs> It had all the stars and Hall of Famers except for two. So basically the cello packs were loaded with the good cards. So the wax packs only had 40 cards, not all 100? Nobody's really sure exactly that I've spoken to, but those 40 missing cards out of the cellos did come in wax. Now maybe wax had all 1 through 100, but it did have those 40 missing that weren't coming in the cello packs. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Okay. That is fascinating. Right. I wonder, wait, we'd, we'd need to see an uncut sheet to figure that out, I guess. Why? Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Only, only 60. So, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a prolific uncut sheet collector. There's, okay. Uh, there, there, there's one thing, uh, one thing bad guys are going to have a hard time faking is an uncut sheet. <laughs> you know, you just bring that up. I was cleaning out my office today, and I found an uncut sheet of 62 Topps football bucks. Football. Wow. Is that something you've seen before? Uh, an uncut sheet of 62 tops, or what do you mean box? The box. No, the, box. the dollar bills. The box. The, box. the inserts. The oh, inserts. the inserts. Oh, got it. Yes, thank you. I, I, you. Wow. No, I, I've never seen that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, it was laying oh. behind my desk, and uh, I probably put it sometime there, and it rolled behind there, and I just found it. Pretty neat looking. Of course, very flimsy because you knew the bucks were very thin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But okay. Right must be a pretty tough item. It, 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 it is. Uh, I've never seen it. I've uh, I've got a partial 62 tops uncut sheet, but uh, that's about it. So it's got to be it, it's I, I've got to be hard logistically just to set up at a national because every time you, I mean you guys have such a big booth. It's the center of the world at most nationals. Just uh, you only rivaled in size by like PSA, uh, but you guys bring so much inventory. You have so many booths. You have so many people. I mean, it's it's got to be just a Herculean effort to get all of your products to a national and get set up. Oh yeah, I give all the credit there to my best employee, Rick. You know, he was in the military for 20 years as a supply sergeant. Uh, he basically <laughs> has this down to an exact science. It comes in, it's on pallets, every employee knows their job, and we get it set up and broken down in hours. <laughs> it's amazing. Wow. So I mean, I've seen you sell out most of your product at a national before. I mean, you, mm. you're building up reserves of unopened for months before a national, so you can show up and just rack and stack your, you know, your, uh, your displays with it, I would imagine. Correct, yep. Yeah, usually we, you know, January, February, March, you know, I start salting away things that would come in and just for the intention of bringing them to the show, trying to make people happy who make the trip there. Yeah. I mean, and obviously you're getting people to walk up, buy product, you know, you, you know, to buy the, the, you know, buy your, your product at the national, but then it's also the, you know, the carrots, you know, people know you're set up there. People begin to know, you know, like, uh, that that's the place to go to, to get their stuff you know, authenticated and or to sell it. Right, yep. Yeah, we've been doing on-site authentication at the National for uh, two or three years uh, now. Uh, unfortunately, it's probably not the best idea we've had because for the seven days I'm there, I sit at a desk 10 hours a day going through unopened stuff. You know, I don't have time to introduce myself to my to my customers or they can introduce themselves to me, shake hands and talk. I'm too busy going through wax boxes to enjoy the experience. So 
we might have to change something in the future, but right now we're going to continue to do on-site authentication. You don't have any employees that you trust that you you that you trust that, you know for the authentication yet, or I don't think the public you? wants that. <laughs> Tell you the truth, I don't <laughs> think the public wants anybody else looking at it but me. So hmm. you know, again, my employee Rick is. I've done this with him for years now, and. He's probably getting to the point where he's just as good as I am, but still, you know, this is very important to get it right, so I still do it all. Yeah, the optics of it, I would imagine, too, if people find out that, you know, yeah, it's not, I mean, yeah. If people found out I wasn't looking at it, they'd probably worry a little bit more, so I just continue to look at it all. That's fascinating. Well, that's good. That's I, a, I would have. You know, that, that, that gives uh, your customers and any customers wanting to sell a great great comfort level, knowing that you know what you're doing. And uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. You know, realistic. Yep. I, I'm not sure if I could compare it to another industry, but, you know, if something was being done and it wasn't being done by the head person, I'd kind of be worried about it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Have you uh, – exactly. tell, tell us about a time where you got one wrong, where you're like, yep, that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, like, I don't know if you get on chat boards or anything, but, you know, that I was, you know, I, you know, have you ever gotten one wrong? And then you're, you know, you, somebody sends you like a screenshot of a chat board where somebody, you know, shows a couple things or says something and you're like, oh shit, I missed that. Or excuse me, you're like, oh, I missed oh. that, you know. Well, of course you know? I've missed things. I mean, I'd, I'd be the biggest egotistical narcissist in the world if I said I had never missed anything. Uh, you know, it, it happens. It's mistaking. Mean, like I said, the counterfeiters are getting better and better all the time. You know, of course I've missed yeah. a few things. Uh, you know, I I give my best. That's all I can do. You know, I can't do yeah, any no, better I... than that. And, and you know, when it's happened, the few times it has, we, we work with the customer. You know, we make them happy. Yeah. Even if I have to go on blind faith sometimes and they tell me, you know, I opened a box and I didn't get anything, I, you know, I did. I'm sure sometimes I've yeah. been told that is just a story. But, you know, I still try to work with everybody to make all the parties involved happy. Yeah, no, I didn't mean to wag a finger. I, like, I mean, in my Oh, business, no, I'm glad you we, brought it up. I, I always tell people, it's like, we're going to mess up. We do, you know, we do, you know, 3,000 service calls a year. Uh we're going to have some pissed off customers. We're going to mess something up, you know, oh, yeah. and just yeah. how you handle that is what defines your business. So, but you know, you, I mean, you, uh, you've got a re- great reputation in the industry. So obviously when, when a mistake is made, you handle it well. Uh, yes. That's, that's all you, you can know. do is I, I do the best I can. And when a mistake is made, I do my best to help fix it. And then live yeah, and learn. And you're, you know, but, yeah, I definitely yeah. won't run from the problem. I'll definitely work with anybody that, you know, we have an issue with. Good well, Steve, we're almost out of time. Uh, any final thoughts? And where's your website? Uh, the website is, www, the website is www.bbce.com. Uh, pretty, you know, we installed a new website about six months ago. Very easy to order. Very easy to get everything shipped. And uh, I guess I could say right now, too, that I cannot figure out how this is happening, but Right now, our hobby is at a full-blown, crazy, just scorching hot in this environment. It makes no sense, but stuff has gone absolutely nuts since we've all been shut down in our homes. Nothing else to do except get online and buy stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, I mean, the, the price of stuff is realizing is unbelievable compared to what it was a month ago before the virus began. It doesn't make sense because, you know, obviously there's no sports. We don't know when we're going to have sports. You know, what, yeah. I think people are worried about the economy and their next paycheck, but our industry has seen no slowdown. Yeah. That's good. Steve, That's if, you have, so. if you ever do come across that 48-leaf wax pack or 35-chicka wax pack, please reach out to me personally and we'll uh, we'll handle it offline. <laughs> you got it. Definitely my wife else. I appreciate it. Maybe I'll open them before I give them to you. <laughs> not not so saying open thanks. to reseal. I'm saying opening for my own enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, I rarely group, open things. I rarely yeah. open things anymore to you know for my own enjoyment. But something like that, I would have to consider. Nah. Be nice. If you see that Nagurski peeking up through it, you know, peeking up at you in the on the back of the pack, you know, definitely. 
Somebody did Straight come to the uh, national I... with a uh, with a Sport Kings pack, thirty three Sport Kings. Unfortunately, oh, you know, wow. the seal had popped and it kind of been opened, and there was an unbelievably mint roof in there. Uh, wow. I think it had sustained damage either from mildew or water or something, but it was just amazing to see. Wow, wow. that that had been incredible. Cool. Oh yeah, yep. Well, well, thank you, Steve. We appreciate you taking Please, the time and coming much. on the show. We, we know you're busy. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. No, Take thank care. you. Take okay. it easy. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Steve Hart, owner of the Baseball Card Exchange, BBCE, our guest for tonight. Joe, we're down to a few minutes again. I'm going to uh, go on our two-minute warning and wrap-up. Hand off to you. What would you pick up on tonight's show? I like that. Uh, obviously, there's always, you know, questions with, uh, you know, the Wizard of Oz, what go- what goes on behind the, you know, the curtain there uh, and when it comes to resealing. And, uh you know, I, I I trust expertise. You know, in an industry, uh, you know, I I'm an expert in my industry, but I know that I make mistakes. And I was it was very nice to hear that where it's like I'm not perfect, but I've been doing it for 30 years, and 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 I know what I'm doing, and mm-hmm. I trust mm-hmm. that. I like it. And mm-hmm. and if somebody's going to be like, and I will make a mistake, but I will stand by it, and which we try not to make the same mistake twice. I mean, that's kind of the same stuff that I that I advocate in my business. So it, it's nice to hear. I like that. Yeah, that that is refreshing because, you know, realistically, that kind of market is very difficult. I understood a lot more today with the way, the way he explained. And I, and I do remember when I had my, my uh, wrapper collection, some of the wrappers were really very, very crisp. And these were some of my wrappers from the late 60s, 70s. So I could tell they were open, and then they were just put away. And you could could see you could see variations on the fold marks. So that's something I always thought about when was, when I bought a, bought a wrapper. Obviously, I was only concerned with looking at the wrapper, displaying it, usually putting it in a two pocket sheet so I could see it type of situation. But uh, you know, with a with a wax pack, and I, I've handled some wax packs over the years. Nothing at all like what Steve did. But, you know, a lot of memories of me opening packs over the years, and I opened a lot of packs, you know, I could see how uh, the, you know, looking at it year in and year out, you could really pick up and know what, when something is really, you know, truly unsealed. I mean, uh, yeah, original, not resealed type of situation. So that's something that has to be taken into consideration. So I, I give Steve a lot of credit on that. And again, you know, it's like anything. You do it so many times, you become an expert at it. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. I just hope, uh, yeah. you know, his theft, uh, I mean, his fraud prevention is becoming much more sophisticated, which is healthy for the happy also. And that's a good thing that we can that we can count on to from them. So that's another thing that we picked up on tonight's show also. But, uh, you know, yeah. it's funny to me. Like I said earlier, and I said to you before the show, you know, I like opening packs. I just I can't see the value in keeping them, you know, uh, <laughs> keeping them uh, wrapped. You know what I mean? And I remember one national we were at. We were at our dinner, and I opened. I don't think you were there, but I opened up a pack of '76 uh, football, Pops football, figuring I was going to pull a couple paintings out of it, but I didn't. I got. All commons out of it, but they, they were nice looking commons, you know, and a good memory for me too. At the same time, all right, we're down to a minute, and we'll get our final wrap here. Check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Joe, final thoughts? Ah, just auction auction season coming up. We've got a heritage auction coming up. Like uh, REA just ended, Leland's just started. Uh, I dig auctions. I love it. So good to be back yeah. on the show. Leland's auction. Leyland's, who are who's one of our advertisers, really nice auction. I, I strongly urge any of our listeners, if you haven't checked out their uh, auctions yet and haven't registered, please do so. They've got some great material on that. All right, we've got about 20 seconds. Yep. That's it for now. Hopefully we'll have another show next week again. I know we're getting a, a lot more listens right now because there's just not that much to do. 
So uh, we appreciate <laughs> all our new listeners, and we appreciate anything. Any questions, don't be afraid to either drop us a line and we'll talk about it. And if you have a collection that wants to be featured, want to talk about your collection, contact us also. Joe, thanks for being on, and we'll be talking to you. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.